Welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready to turn your setback into a comeback? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get started on your new beginning. Halloween is just days away. Are you excited? I know I am excited and I have a burning question for you. Okay. What treat do you sneak out of your kids trick or treat bucket when they're not looking? I know you do it. I do it. We all do it. I personally like the Twix. I always go for the Twix bar. I love Halloween. I love the costumes. I love the decorations. I love, of course, the candy and the vibe. I think it's fun and playful, but I am going to tell you today, I'm a total scaredy cat. I do not, I do not watch horror movies. No Friday the 13th. Thank you very much. I I don't even like haunted houses. The last time I was in a haunted house, it was at the Minnesota State Fair a couple years back. And I was more terrified than my kids. So yeah, it wasn't cute. My daughter was the bravest one and she's the youngest. So there you go. You know, something else that I have been terrified of becoming a step monster. Yeah, a step parent. I mean, look at how Hollywood depicts this role, especially Disney. They are the worst. I mean, you and I both know Cinderella. She had no fairy tale relationship with her stepmother. Stepmothers are not set up well. They are not set up to win. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if they didn't get such a bad rap, I would be less terrified of becoming one. I don't know. How about you? Where are you at with blended families? Do you get a little anxious like me? Well, luckily, you and I have my positively parental guests today, children's book author and co-parenting coach Tamar Burris and author and divorce parenting expert Christina McGee. These two incredible women, they're going to help debunk some of the stigma and negative images around step parenting. And we're actually, we're going to discuss everything right about stepping up in this role in a child's life. I mean, actually becoming a quote bonus parent, as they say now, there's so much possibility. I mean, talk about a fresh start, which sounds far from scary. So let's get this courageous comeback conversation started with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. (laughs) Oh, we already have some giggling. I love that. Welcome to the podcast, Christina and Tamar. We are going to have some delicious fun. This is right before Halloween, so my burning questions have a little spooky fun to them. So are you ready over there, ladies? Oh yeah, we're ready. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely ready. Okay. We're going to have Christina answer first and then Tamar 60 seconds is on the clock. And these questions have been tailored just for you. Christina, what's a playful Halloween costume you've always wanted to wear, but haven't. Well, when I was pregnant, I wanted to dress up as a Teletubby and I didn't get to. So (laughs) (laughs) Tamar, which Disney villain is your favorite? Ooh, um, Ursula. Christina, what mm. makes a bonus mom spicy? Um, Got to have a sense of style, right? Right. Tamar, what's taught you more about yourself, co-parenting or parenting? Co-parenting, for sure. Christina, are the Dallas Cowboys really worth all the hype? Ooh, I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm not a football person. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. All right, Tamar, do you have a favorite Halloween candy that you sneak out of your son's trick-or-treat bag when he's not looking? 100%. And I, it's Three Musketeers, and I know it's disgusting, but I, I love it. Oh, same here. <laughs> Christina, besides your book, Parenting Apart, what is a book all divorced parents should read? 
gosh, that's a hard question. I would have to think about that. Just 60 seconds. I would say instead podcast, listen to this podcast, listen to Susan Guthrie, um, listen to Divorce Survival Guide. Tamar, was your book A New Special Friend inspired by a personal romantic connection? Well, not my romantic connection, but yes. And to both of you, were you ever afraid or are you ever afraid of being a step monster? Um, yes, at one time, but I worked really hard to, to try to avoid that. <laughs> I'm afraid of being perceived as a step monster by trying too hard. Fantastic. I know that I have a lot of fear around the topic and maybe the listener does as well. So we're going to dive into that step parenting and now it's called bonus parenting and also dating with kids after you're divorced. I've had fun with the dating, the step parenting. uh, I don't know, but I think this conversation is going to help me out, Christina and Tamar. So thank you again for being on the episode. Now we look at shows like the Brady Bunch and Disney movies and they're two extremes, right? You have the Brady Bunch where everything is pristine and perfect and so happy all the time. And then you have the the evil step monsters, uh, wicked step monsters in the Disney movies. Neither is realistic. So Christina, my first question is for you. What is the role of a bonus mom really like? Well, I think you need to come to the role with flexibility and not a lot of expectations. Like I, I think when you come to the role of bonus mom, you really have to have a, a mindset that you are an additional parenting figure, but not a replacement figure. Um, you know, your job is not to impose your momness on these kids, but really to give time for that relationship to grow and to get to know each other and to honor one another's histories. And you have been a bonus mom for how long now, Christina? Almost 28 years. Oh my goodness. Oh. That is fantastic. So when you began the role of bonus mom, how old were your partner's children? Uh, two and four. Very yeah, young. I came I came on the scene when they were littles. So I'm sure that would look different if you say had a partner who had teenage kids who might have more concrete or different experiences with around divorce. Absolutely. I mean, with teens, it's kind of a, it's, it's a different ball game altogether. However, I will still circle back to this idea that honoring one another's history, giving kids space to get to know you and really kind of respecting this option that you get to choose each other. The choice isn't made for you. That is a layer that we're going to get back to because I'm intrigued by that. We get to choose each other. Tamar, you wrote a children's book, A New Special Friend, which I I love. I love Little Fox. He's so endearing. Thank you. I have a question about that. Before we even introduce our children to a special friend, and you both can respond to this, should we let them know that we're dating people? My response is generally yes, that you should let them know that you're dating people. Um, I mean, it's very age dependent as to how much information you're going to provide and when. I don't think that you need to let them know that you're dating people right away, especially if it's casual. But yeah, I would give them a heads up as things are getting serious. You don't want to just spring someone on them. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different take on that. So um, from my perspective, I think it's okay to let kids know after some a little bit of time has passed, certainly like the day after you tell them, you know, you're calling it quits, you don't go, oh, and by the way, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> mommy's going to be dating now. Oh, definitely but not. You, yeah. you let some time pass. And I think it's okay to say to kids, you know, I, I spend some time with other adults that I get to know. And it's, you know, it's a process of dating depending on the age um, of the children. You don't want to give a lot of information, but I think it's good to let kids know that you're spending time with other people. And when someone becomes important to you, you'll let them know, but they've got to kind of pass the muster first before you're going to involve them with your kids. And that's what dating is all about. It's a process of getting to know each other. 
Absolutely. And I would say that I've had a lot of conversations with my son, who's seven, that are hypothetical. Just he asks me, you know, are you ever going to get married again? And I say, I don't know. And he said, well, what if I don't like them? I said, well, that will never happen. It's going to be important that you like them. Absolutely. You have to set them up. You have to process some of it beforehand. I love this because I've read a lot about this. I have, I've not had, I've been divorced for almost four years now, and I have yet to have a traditional relationship. And I think a layer that causes me to hesitate, quite honestly, is I have observed how my children have responded to their father's relationship. And one Mm. has really struggled, like really struggled. And so for me, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, do I really want to do that to my child? So when I was doing my research before this conversation, I read an article about waiting till your kids heal. And Christina, you kind of touched on that in your answer just now. But I mean, my, my one child hasn't quote healed when do you decide if somebody's healed for me it's like okay I don't want to cause that pain for her yet I would someday like to have possibly a more traditional relationship so how long do you wait and if they never healed do you just not have a traditional relationship I mean I I honestly ask myself that question so I would be really interested in unpacking like what's preventing the healing and the being able to move forward and I think how children adapt to new relationships has a lot to do with how we're setting the stage for these relationships like if we're not giving kids the space to kind of get used to seeing their parent with someone new if we're rushing to make this new person like a parenting authority in a child's life or a disciplinarian. Um, If we jump into that kind of Brady Bunch mentality and we start doing everything together and kids don't have any access to one-on-one time with a parent or kids don't feel that they're like connected and respected in a household, of course, that's going to impact all of that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if their other parent gets engaged in a relationship that it can't be different. I fully agree with that. And I would say that, you know, we can't put our lives completely on hold to wait for all the healing to be done. It really can't be up to our kids. To me, I would say, you know, making sure that your kids are comfortable with the fact that you are single and that you have a strong relationship with them as a sole parent first would be really important. But if they're not fully healed or, you know, fully ready to have a new partner and you are, if you know that they are comfortable, if you know that you've let time pass, if you know that they're used to the routine, it's time to make them a little bit uncomfortable, perhaps, if you found somebody. And yes, be open to communicating with them, keep those lines open, tell them how much you love them, make sure you have soul time with them, but push a little and introduce that person if that if you're having a relationship and you're ready. The kids can't dictate the rest of life. So there, some of their healing Absolutely. might come from you being in that relationship and working through some of those things together. It's a gray area. You have to really look at your own unique situation and see where your children are at and uh whether or not you feel like your relationship with them has been fully established since the divorce. You know, you don't want to do it like Christina had said earlier. You don't want to introduce someone the next day. But if it's been six months, a year, whatever, and, and the time has passed and your household is smooth and they just aren't quite ready, well, you can push a little. I agree. I mean, kids oh, don't need to be in the driver's seat. No. At all. And the the other thing of that is there's going to be a lot of changes and transitions that are going to come up for kids and there is going to be uncomfortable moments. But Absolutely. if we can lean into those and use those as an opportunity to strengthen our relationship, to have conversation, it sends a really powerful message to kids that it's okay to talk about the hard stuff. 
it's okay to say when you're not feeling comfortable. And if you have reservations about somebody new, or you're not sure what it's going to look like or mean for your life, those are really important conversations to have. Absolutely. Can you share, Christina, some of those conversations that you've had with your bonus kids? Yeah, well, so it's been um, very interesting. So uh, I can tell you uh, a lot of it has to do with just paying attention and realizing that some of the uncomfortable moments don't just go away because you've had a relationship for years. You know, um, I remember this one particular incident when I was uh, with my bonus daughter, we have four children together. So I have a bonus son, a bonus daughter, and then two biological children. And we were on an outing and our bonus daughter had this really beautiful gold locket she was wearing on her neck. Is this recently or is this a while back? This was like a few years ago. Four years ago. Okay. The girls were like giving her grief about it because they wanted to open and shut it and open and shut it. And they were like, she's like, oh God, they won't leave me alone. And she said, it's kind of weird. It's a little bit of an awkward locket because my mom gave it to me and has a picture of each of my parents in it but it doesn't have a place for my third, which is you. And I just felt gutted that she was worried about hurting my feelings because she was wearing a locket that had a picture of her parents in it. And that was an opportunity for us to talk about, you know, what is perfectly okay for you. And I don't ever want you to feel awkward. We have a different kind of relationship. And I know that you have the ability to love all the people in your life. But there's so many things that kids are navigating behind the scenes, like where they're really worried about what's going to happen. What is this going to mean? Am I going to hurt somebody's feelings? Or, you know, am I going to make somebody angry or uncomfortable? And so it's really important, I think, for us as bonus parents or biological parents to really stay open to kind of paying attention to how kids are handling some of these situations and and what's like weighing on them. Tamara, I want to see if you wanted to respond. Sure. Well, I am not a, I'm not a bonus parent myself, you know, but I do work with bonus parents. And on the other side, my ex has a serious relationship. And so we navigate that. So from the biological mother or biological parent standpoint, I would say that I think it's important for the bonus parents to get space for a relationship. It's sort of what you're saying, Christina, but like, I guess from the flip perspective also is, you know, we just had an issue with, with Father's Day because I was planning on taking my son to get a present for his dad. Like, that's what we do. So I show my son that we still love dad and it's fine or whatever. But since he's in this relationship, his partner wanted to do that with my son. And so she called and she asked if she could have special time with him to go and take him for a present. And my first reaction is like... Oh, no, you know, but I, I, I'm not going to say that out loud. And you have to stop and think as the biological parent, okay, there must be space for this bonus parent as well. My son loves me. I will always be his mom. But this other person is filling a spot in his heart and they have their own unique little relationship and family over there. And that has to be okay also. So I have to go with what he says. So I say to him, do you want to go with her to go get a present for dad? Or would you rather go with me? Either one is fine. And he chose to go with her. And I have to be okay with that. And so I said, sure. She came and got him. They had a lovely afternoon and they got a great present. And then the bonus bonus for me is I didn't have to do it. I was just going to say, you didn't have to buy it. (laughs) I didn't have to do it, you know, but as biological parents, I think we have to step back and see that just like that locket allows room for 
mom and dad, we have to allow space for our child to let the bonus parent in too. I have offered to my ex to meet his partner and he has declined. When do you think it's important for the parent that's not in the relationship, but as as I'm hearing a lot about it from my kids, which is an interesting position to be in, to meet the other person and and have an amicable chat and, and break the ice and get to know them a little bit. Does that help the children? I think it does. I I think it absolutely does. And I would say that when someone becomes important to you um, and you feel like it's time to kind of introduce the kids, you want to move forward with life. I think the, the first thing to do is give the other parent a heads up for a number of different reasons. Like before you even tell the kids that you want to introduce them, I think you need to bring the other parent up and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I've been seeing someone, they've become important. We're kind of taking the relationship to the next level and I'd like them to meet the kids. Now, why do you do that? Well, for a lot of different reasons. One, there can be a lot of like anxiety on kids if they're left to be the ones to inform the other parent. Right. Right. Like, should I say something? Should I not say something? Is it a big secret? What's going to happen? How are they going to react? The other thing is that when they do, Kids also get stuck dealing with that parent's reaction to the news, right? So you're putting your kids in a a horrible position, right, of having to deal with all the emotion that may or may not be there when the other parent finds out. So I think it's better to kind of time it, let the other parent know during a time when the kids are going to be with you for a period of time. So they have time to process the news and the reaction and, and think about how they feel about it. And then to let the kids know you've given the other parent a heads up. I agree. But I also feel like sometimes it's really hard on the other side. You know, you can't control what your former husband or wife is going to do. And if they don't want you to meet their partner, there's not that much you can do about it. So for us or for, you know, if you're the one in control and this is your relationship, absolutely, 100%. I think Christina is absolutely right. There are a lot of reasons to to meet the new partner and to forge a bit of a connection also to protect your children, you know, so that everyone knows what's going on and there's communication on all levels. But the unfortunate thing is you can't control what the other person's going to do. And sometimes they don't want you to meet their partner. So what do you do with that? Yeah, I haven't met the partner yet. Mm -hmm. It's been over three years. Yeah. So you can do your best to try and instigate that. You can ask, you know, I would love to meet your new partner. I'm so excited and happy that you are happy. You know, I would just like to just say hello. You could try and or orchestrate something with if there's going to be a sporting event or something so you're all together you can go up to the new partner just say a friendly hello here's my phone number if you'd ever like it you know you can sort of bypass your your ex but um it's really unique for the situation and depends on what your relationship is like with your former partner and sometimes you just don't get that opportunity to meet them and you have to let it go while being sort of comfortable with your kids and and allowing them to know that you're still okay that mom or dad is in a relationship even though you haven't met this person you don't want to ask too many questions about that person and make them feel like they have to that they're being interrogated but you can give a general like oh you had fun with dad and Shelly that's great Oh, Shelly likes the ice cream. You're like, that's wonderful. You know, just putting in some comments here and there so that they know that you are totally comfortable and completely okay with that relationship, even though you've not met this person. Yeah. And I think that's super important. And Tamar kind of touched on this a little bit earlier that kids will look for permission from a biological parent to like 
or love or care about or have a relationship with this new person. And so whether you meet them or not, you still have the opportunity to kind of set the stage with your kids and send them a message that you don't have to pick and choose, right? Right. We are always going to be the only parents you are ever going to have and nothing's ever, ever going to change that. And the, the truth is, you know, all situations aren't created equal. I think whether you have, even if you have a high conflict situation or you don't have the best relationship with your ex, I think it's still important to make that phone call and say, hey, this is the step I'm getting ready to take. And if you're on the flip side of it, you know, trying to gauge your own reaction and do what you can to support your kids and have at least a a neutral relationship. I I think that's really important, but you can only control 50% of the equation at any given moment. (laughs) You know, only what's on your side of the fence. So focus on that. You can't change what your ex does or doesn't do or how they frame it or if they want to be in a high conflict situation. I will say that I do think that in terms of communication, there's a great analogy that I often use, which is, you know, biological parents are the sheriffs and bonus parents are the deputies that you can be a parenting influence, but primary communication, big decisions really need to happen between co-parents. 100%. That leads to the next question I have, which is when you're living now with your bonus kids and they are doing things that maybe you aren't, you know, really excited about, (laughs) a little laugh, right? What do you do if you only have influence? I would say that before you even get to that place where you're all living under the same roof, you and your partner need to have a conversation about what's this going to look like. And too often, that's not what happens. Like we fall into this trap that, oh, we love each other. So we're just going to figure it out. Love will conquer all. And it doesn't. (laughs) So you need to have that conversation and talk about what are your ideas about discipline and structure and consequences and just the tone of the household, how you celebrate holidays, how are you going to engage with each other's kids? How do you see each other's roles? That's really, really important stuff because the statistics show we don't learn from our mistakes and second marriages and third marriages are at even higher risk for ending in divorce. So if you don't want to be part of the stats, you really got to do your work on the front end. This I makes me <laughs> wish, Christina, that there was a Brady Bunch boot camp. Maybe you should start <laughs> like a blended a family boot camp. Show. It would be that an would incredible be reality, reality show, show. right? Show. The two of you could co-host. I would be a participant. (laughs) That would be great. Because you say all these things. And honestly, Christina, like my heart just starts beating faster and faster because it's just, I mean, it's one thing to do Mm co-parenting. That's a layer. And then to do both. And and it just feels so daunting. So how do we bring more like fun and playfulness into this process? How did you do that without getting so overwhelmed? Because, you know, I hear this. I'm like, God, do I I even want to do this? That's right. That's something I really want to consider. Well, so I but I, but I don't is... want to, you know, I want to live a full life. I don't want to limit myself. I don't want to limit my kids on what they could have with a bonus dad. Like they could maybe have the most fantastic bonus dad. I mean, but it's like, I have to get over my fear. I have a lot of fear around it. And, and I think that's normal. This is a big deal. And a lot of, I always say like becoming a bonus parent is like standing on the edge of an ice cold pool. And somebody says, Hey, that's really cold water (laughs) and you'd have no idea until you jump in. And it's like, whoa, shock to the system, right? And there's like, when I became a bonus mom, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I had no idea how it was going to change my life. And um, it was really clear because I was a child from a divorce, what I didn't 
want it to be like, but I didn't know, you know, I was kind of finding my way, um, which led me to this work. But I, I think you can have fun and you can play. And so when the, the kids were with us and they were littles, like we came up with really fun traditions and things that we would do. Like, so instead of just having, um, we had a very traditional kind of a timesharing arrangement where we would have like dinners in the middle of the week and then every other weekend. And so for our Wednesday dinner, we had family dinner night and we framed it around being a family and we'd have a picnic or we'd do something fun or we'd go to the park together. When Christmas rolled around, we made um, sweatshirts and we all painted our hands and put our handprints all the way on the sweatshirt. And so for my biological kids, they, you know, we put our names underneath. It said, mom, dad, you know, and all the kids' names. But for my bonus kids, it said, you know, dad, Christina, all the kids' names. And and that was okay. And I, I think that, I think being open to really trying to build connection and a sense of belonging, knowing that we, there are a lot of different ways to be a family. There really are. And I think when you stay focused on that and allow it to kind of unfold and just show up, right? I think a lot can happen. I think it can be really meaningful. You're giving me some hope, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) I I made in breath just listening to every word you say. I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to this a few times. Right. Because wouldn't you say that, I mean, you can still have all the fun. You can still do all the activities. It's just bringing that awareness to everything. The awareness that there's this component that needs to be there at all times. It's awareness of not overstepping, awareness of open communication, awareness of keeping the line and channel with your your partner so that you can discuss behind the scenes if, hey, this came up today, how should we handle it? But with the family, you're still a family. You're still going out and doing all the things and playing the board games and having the dinners and whatever. This is just an awareness that needs to remain. You know, I just want to share with you because this is kind of, I think, really succinctly sums up kind of my view about being a bonus family or a blended family. There's a quote by Richard Bach and it says, the bond that links your true family is not one of blood, but of joy and respect in each other's lives. Rarely do members of one family grow up under the same roof. Right. And I think we all can attest that we've chosen family, friends, uh, mentors, people that weren't our mother, but are our mother figures or our father figures. So I completely resonate with that. That's a fantastic quote. The title of this episode is Step Monsters. And why do stepmothers get, let's debunk this before we wrap up our conversation. (laughs) Why do stepmothers get such a bad rap? I mean, Disney isn't pointing out the stepdad as the step monster. It's always the stepmom. So that's silly. How do we debunk that in this chat today? I think changing the way we talk is is a big step in the right direction. You know, like for me, I never liked step language. My kids didn't mm-hmm. like it. And um, so when I heard about the term bonus family, I was so excited. I came home and I said, hey, look, there's this new way of talking about our family. What do you think? Because it it made sense to me like a bonus is like something extra in addition to an unexpected benefit. Right. And that's how I felt about the kids in my life. And that's how they felt about me. And so we use bonus language and tried to frame our connection in that way. I think the other reason that step 
moms get a bad rap is because, you know, we are still a society that really looks to the women to be the nurturers, the mainstay, the maintain the emotional temperature, the the ones that really, you know, are, are very engaged in promoting and bringing the family together. And that sometimes lines, unfortunately, get drawn between biological moms and stepmoms, right? That there's like some kind of um, it's it's a territory thing, I think, sometimes, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, sure. and if you can cultivate as a bonus parent and biological parent, kind of that healthy connection of, again, we're circling back to this idea that kids don't have to pick or choose. Right. They have enough love in their hearts for everybody and that um, bonus parents are not replacement parents and you can support kids' relationship with their biological parent. Tamar, I love that you were like gave that option for the Father's Day gift shopping together. But I know as a bonus mom, I would help my kids buy presents for their mom. So yes. Do things nice for their mom because she was an important person in their lives. And you know, our road was a rocky one in the early days. So it, it wasn't like it was all sunshine and butterflies for yeah. us. But I, I think ultimately, again, it comes back to this idea of respecting each other's history and that that's a part of these children's life story, right? They don't have to forsake memories of a time when they were a different kind of family. Right. Totally agree. And I think that the the healing and the work has to come from both sides, because as you said, it's sort of a territorial thing that seems to happen with the moms. And I think that, you know, not to put it all on the biological mom, but I think that the biological moms also have to do some of that work that the bonus moms are doing and take care with the treading a little bit lightly and opening their hearts and allowing their children to have that relationship. I think that part of the issue with labeling stepmoms as horrible monsters is coming from the mom. And I think that if the biological mom does some work with themselves, Set the tone, right. Sets the tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we can help to change that as well. I I have seen it both ways. Absolutely. Also, absolutely. Also seen some, you know, bonus moms who really didn't have bonus behavior. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Everyone has to be mature. Everyone has to do the work. Speaking of doing the work, season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy is all about the comeback. And my last question for you, (laughs) incredible experts uh, today. I'm so grateful for this conversation. How has being a bonus mom or a co-parent brought you back to yourself? That's such a great question. I think for me, I have always been somebody who's been wired. Like connection is just fundamentally a really important value to me. And so I, I think that in being a bonus mom, it really gave me a lot of experiences to explore what that truly means for me. And um, and not only did I learn a lot about myself, I will tell you that my bonus kids, hands down, have been some of my best teachers about divorce and what this feels like for kids. And I've they learned really have. so much. I have learned mm-hmm. so much from them. Um, so it, it also, I think, has taught me to really become more thoughtful about how I approach relationships and how I approach, how I talk about relationships. It's all about putting your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the same for me, becoming a co-parent, you know, becoming a parent, first of all, but then becoming a co-parent, I really, you wind up looking at your own values and really having to display them in a way that uh, maybe you wouldn't have had to before. You really have to dig deep. 
you know, I always thought I'm going to raise children who are not judgmental, who are going to, you know, be open to everybody, who are going to love, who are going to have good boundaries, but be able to love and, and accept and whatever. And it's like, so as a co-parent, you really have to work on those levels of acceptance and boundaries and allowing things that maybe are uncomfortable. And so it comes back to like really putting your money where mouth is, as far as my values of non-judgmental open-heartedness, you know, we're going to allow love and we're going to like really be good communicators. Well, okay. We have yeah. to do all, you know, all that here. And I would say that's kind of the, the silver lining. If we're looking at, you know, the, the positive attributes, the silver lining of divorce and co-parenting is that it gives your children an opportunity to learn some really important life skills. If you take advantage of that opportunity, I mean, divorce isn't going to be the only thing that's going to happen in your children's lives. That's a challenge. They're going to encounter lots of things. And so we have a chance to really, we can't fix it for our kids. We can't take away the pain or the adversity or the hard moments, but we can send them the message that they are strong enough to get through this and together we will and to, to cultivate some coping skills. Yes, definitely. And my child and I had a little interaction the other day where he was upset and he said, you're supposed to be supporting my feelings. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are seven. We are doing a really good job at this. We are crushing it, you know, and he wouldn't have, I don't think he would have had those words or he would have really understood those, that kind of concept had we have not gotten divorced because we've had so many conversations now about your feelings. It's okay to share them. You're allowed to have them. Let's discuss it. And I think we would have bypassed a lot of that without, you know, unintentionally, but we would have bypassed that because it wouldn't have seemed necessary. Divorce is indeed such a teacher as are you two ladies. (laughs) And I'm sure the listener would love to learn more about the other resources that you have around co-parenting and blended families, how can they learn more about you and your books and your other classes and all of that? So I am at divorceandchildren.com, divorceandchildren.com. And so my website is a great first place for people to find out more about the work that I do. Um, I do one-on-one coaching with parents and I also uh, do trainings for professionals. So any divorce professionals that are interested in gaining more skills on how they can guide parents in a child-centered way through this process, because I really believe how you start has a lot to do with where you end up. Um, I also have a book, Parenting Apart, which you can find on, you know, any major retailer. And, 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 and it also can be a great op- option. you produced a documentary as well, haven't you? Amazing. Uh, yes, I'm a consulting producer for a fabulous film called Split. And that is quickly, uh, a sequel is coming out called Split Up the Teen Years. So in a nutshell, Split is a film that was made by kids for kids about divorce. And it is a great tool for getting into some meaningful conversations. And there's one film that interviews children between the ages of six and 12 about how divorce, how it feels when parents part. The follow-up film uh, re-interviews 11 of the 12 like eight years later as young adults to see how divorce played out in their lives. And um, you can find out more information about Split at splitfilm.org. Thanks, Christina. And Tamar? Well, I just find this precious <laughs> before I say my, my stuff, I just have to say, yes, split Christina. That is one of my favorite resources. And I tell everyone about it. I love that film. It's super powerful. So people should definitely watch it. And I'm very excited for the teen years one. So 
there's that. But to find me, I also have a website. It's just my name. It's tamarburris.com. So T-A-M-A-R-B-U-R-R-I-S.com. And on there, you can find options for coaching. I do one-on-one coaching. I also do family coaching for um, blended families and co-parents. Um, and my book, A New Special Friend, is available in bookstores or Amazon or my website and wherever you'd like to look for it. It's a great tool and it's a for fabulous children Thank you. to introduce relationships. Fantastic. Well, I am no longer uh, afraid of being a step monster. I thank you. I credit you both for that. My heart has been cracked open here and I appreciate your sharing and just your journeys and how they have allowed you to help so many people. I'm sure the listener is also really appreciating what you've shared today. So happy Halloween to you both and go get that. What was that costume, Christina? The Teletubby? I think it's your year. Yeah, Teletubby. I think it's your year. (laughs) The Teletubby kind of year. I want to see the photos on Instagram. Thank you both again for being on the podcast. Thank you. Such a heartwarming and rich conversation. Thank you again, Tamar and Christina. And I will have all of their resources to their websites, to their books, to the documentary, their social media information in the show notes. So visit that after the episode. Okay, you're going to watch The Brady Bunch after this, aren't you? I know, I kind of want to. I haven't watched that show in so long. And you and I both know Alice was so the glue in that show. I know I could use an Alice. I mean, we could all use an Alice, right? Well, I cannot give you an Alice today, but I can give you a comeback tip. Say these tips to happiness. DJ Eric B. said a step parent is so much more than just a parent. They made the choice to love when they didn't have to. Children aren't the only ones who are fearful when it comes to new relationships. You and I both know that. Do you find yourself mistrustful when someone chooses to love you? Or maybe you're just afraid to love again. It's very common after a divorce. Are you possibly projecting your own fears and insecurities onto others? Do you really get to know someone before you decide that they're going to hurt you? Or are you just so afraid of being wounded or abandoned by a new partner that you put all of your misgivings onto them? Thinking, well, you know, he's just, he's probably just going to cheat or she's probably not going to be able to manage money well, or they're going to just leave once the excitement wears off. Lots of people do this. We put our own insecurities onto others and we miss out on so much love because of our own fear. My tip is I want you to combat making a monster out of someone else by confronting the monsters hiding under your own bed. I mean, might those fears go way back, like even before your marriage? You know, take control, write down those fears and insecurities that you have. And then when you're comfortable with the person that you're dating, share them, disclose them, take their power away. Tell your significant other about your child's fears and discuss them so that you don't have these issues lurking in the shadows. Remember, you also are making the choice to love when you don't have to. Make your choice less scary by confronting those issues that have you spooked to love again. And you know, you've got this. You've got this. And remember, it's all leading to your comeback. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this Life After Divorce community by following me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and TikTok at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net, to download Sadie's 8 Tips to Happiness. You'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. 
If you've found value in my podcast, consider being an official sponsor. Email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also buy me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two, and I thank you for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another round of content created to kickstart your comeback.